Hi everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Final Fantasy Union where we're going to celebrate the existence of Final Fantasy XI. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Brian. Yes! How's it feel to be back on the show, Brian? It's a... Uh... Hey, you know, what was it? The last time I was on the show was episode 60-some-odd, and then the episode before that was episode 35. So, hey, I'm getting on the show more often now, so that's a, that's a win for me. You're bumping up the frequency, and that is a I very am. important thing. I am. Next thing you know, I'll be on every show, and you'll be begging me to get off. Well, yeah. yeah I, th- I think you're yeah. getting concentrated what? first. You're supposed to say, no, no, we always want you on the show. I don't, I don't want to inflate that ego of yours, Brian. I've got to keep oh. you grounded. All right. Fair enough. Okay, so yeah, as I said, this is a special episode to celebrate the existence of Final Fantasy XI. And um, the reason why it's Brian is because we played it pretty religiously. We did, just a little bit. Yeah, and obviously Final Fantasy XI, depending on which country you're in, is 10 years old this year. Yes, it is. So that's a pretty special landmark for the game as well, because it's still going, and it's still going pretty strong from what I hear. It is. I mean, they're, they're creating another expansion, a full expansion for it, which is uh, something that they said that they weren't going to do. Yeah. <laughs> but now they well, did. I th- yeah, I think it's kind of half been forced by Final Fantasy fourteen, but also yeah. the fact, you know, they announced that Final Fantasy Eleven is their most profitable game they've ever made. Yeah. So I'm guessing they're thinking, if World of Warcraft can keep piling it out, so can we. So can we. Yeah. <laughs> so... There is also an ulterior motive to Brian being Just on the show. Just a little one. So, Brian, in case you haven't checked out the website, Brian has been slaving away, and he's um, going to be releasing an album soon called The Land of Vanadiel, which is obviously the world that Final Fantasy XI is set in, and it's releasing on the 1st of August. Yes. So, but we'll be talking a little bit more about that later in the show. Very before. exciting. Before then, we're going to be talking about our, our fun Final Fantasy XI experiences. Yes. Which but will, if you're listening... Which will preface why I did the album in the first place. Because exactly. we're, we're going to bring it all around. It's going to be a full, full circle. circle. Lots of connections being made. But if you are listening to the show for the first time, this is a, a very impromptu episode. The, uh, the usual schedule is not this. No. <laughs> but uh, this podcast will be part of the Final Fantasy Union podcast series and is presented by the Gaming Union Network and TweetsMusic.com. The regular schedule is one podcast every two weeks rotating between Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy and the next Final Fantasy Union will be out next week on a regular schedule and it's going to be a questions episode so if you have any questions you want to know maybe you want to know some stuff about the Versus 13 rumours flying around or the 13 Part 3 rumours we're happy to answer or just discuss even, like, you know, what's our favourite Moogle? Or anything that's maybe a bit more risque, as long as it's PG-friendly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, PG risqueness. I wonder yes. how that would work. Hey, well, well the, dark, the Dark Knight Rises is a 12A. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, maybe we need to lower the benchmark a little bit. Before we can <laughs> <laughs> lower our standards a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, the podcast comes out on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com where you can catch out all the news. So, Final Fantasy XI, Brian, would you like to tell us how you ended up getting roped into playing the game? Oh man, well, you know, I got roped into Final Fantasy XI really the same way that I got roped into most of the games uh, during that time period. I was living, uh, it was in college, I was living in the dorm and my roommate was uh, Daniel Floyd who uh, has been on one of our podcasts before. Uh, and he's the guy who does extra credits. Um, you know, I didn't really know much about Eleven when it when it 
was announced and when it was in development and whatnot, but he did, and he told me that it was online. And he proclaimed to the masses, he said, I will not play this game. I really don't want to have to pay for a monthly fee. Well, it came out in America, and then it came out on the PS3. And I don't know if it was the same day that it came out on the PS3, or sorry, the PS2, PS2. or if it was, you know, a couple days afterwards. But I walk into the dorm, and he's playing it. Um, and You're just so- like, WTF? <laughs> I was like, liar! No, but, you know, I, I didn't really understand it at the time. Um, I didn't really know what an MMO was at that point. But I watched it. This was back in um, March of 2004. And so, I, I, you know, I enjoyed watching him play it. Uh, and then it wasn't until, I'd say, maybe two months later, maybe a month and a half, uh, when I kind of was like, this looks so awesome, I really want to give it a shot. So I, it was in... Uh, mid-May, I think, of 2004, and so I went out, got it on the PS2, and uh, and started playing, and uh, watched my life pass before my eyes as I just played it over and over <laughs> and over and over and over again. Yeah, um, it it does seem to have that effect on people. Just it does. I think the weird thing about it is it, it's nothing like a typical Final Fantasy game, and I think uh, for many fans who had been playing, obviously the main series one through ten up to that point. It was so different, and I think a lot of people were really hesitant about the whole playing online thing, because, like you yeah. said, you know, I think MMOs were kind of coming into the fore at that point. Yeah, there were obviously there were obviously a lot of Western MMOs like Ultima and EverQuest and that kind of thing, but they hadn't really got mass market. Mm-mm. And I think you know, World of Warcraft obviously didn't exist yet. No, it didn't. And and um, so I think there was just this whole kind of confusion about what it was and all that stuff i i too was one of those people that was adamant that i wasn't going to play it just because i didn't want to pay for a monthly subscription exactly exactly yeah i think the the reason that i got into the game is actually quite different because i was able to sample the game without paying for it how do you do that well i i have no idea actually (laughs) um i at the beginning of 2004 i think it was i got an email from square enix and just my hotmail account and i was like i've never given square enix my email address before so i don't know how they've got this but they basically sent me an invitation to start beta testing it in europe oh wow and so i was just like yeah sure (laughs) like you know i'm not gonna say no to that when Um, when was this exactly do you remember it was uh, i think i'd pretty much just finished school so it was it was that summer, so it was the lead up to my first year of university. Okay. So it was beginning, yeah, I think it was 2004. Okay. Um, because obviously, I think we got it a year after North America. Um, and Square Enix sent me over an American copy of the game. And so they just, you know, just let me play it for free for a couple of months. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. <laughs> like, I think that's the thing that everyone finds when they play Final Fantasy XI. You turn it on, there's no tutorial, nothing. You literally get nothing, and I I went out into I started in I think I had Hume I went I went to Bashdock and mm-hmm. um, I just went out of the into Gusterberg and I was just okay right well I think no I think I joined a party with someone like a few other people didn't know what they were doing and so we were killing sandworms that and thing we were getting sort of about ten experience or something and we're like well we need five hundred to get up to level two. something's not right here <laughs> something is not right here. <laughs> No, but it's gonna take forever. But I mean, but you're exactly right. They they really they dumped you into the middle of the game and with nothing, with nowhere to go. I mean, and and to to be fair, World of Warcraft was the exact same way when it first started. Since then, they have really streamlined it, and they will get you into the game really well. Eleven never really did that, and and you know, I was fortunate when I first started and I first logged in and I was first able to start using my character. Um, 
one of the two people who got me into the game, it was Daniel and actually now his wife, his wife ran right in front of me. And I knew her name. I was like, wait, that's her. Wait, wait, come back. You can show me what to how do. do. You ta- how do you talk? Uh. <laughs> I just, there were so many confusing things, though. Like, you know, traditional controls for a game just didn't work. No. It's like, how do you get out of the menu? You have to press the minus key next to the numpad. It's like, what would, why? Why is that there? What is... But yeah, it was it was so confusing, and I I think by the time I'd stopped playing, I ended up getting to the Valcom Dunes. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. first time when you've got to do any partying, and I think at that point I was when you're playing through the game for the first time, you literally have no idea what's going on, and yeah. when you're playing through again, you see all these people, and you're just like, oh, we're new. <laughs> yeah, and you judge them for yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> because I was in a party with someone who was playing Warrior slash White Mage. Oh and my gosh. That you know, but he thought it was like the best combination because of traditional Final Fantasy. You'd think, well, I can heal myself. Heal, like, exactly. It's like, no. No, it, just, <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. It really no, doesn't work useless. that way. <laughs> but yeah, so my, my subscription that they think kind of ended, and uh, they gave me the option of continuing to play the American version, which meant that I would then have to import American expansion packs, or I could just go out and buy it myself, but yeah. have to start all over again with my character. Ooh. Which was a bit annoying, but you know, I just said, "Well, screw it, I'll I'll go and do it." Um, I roped my friend into playing as well, but he didn't have a PC, oh. so he imported an American PS2 so that he could play the game. Wow, that, that is dedication. Now, did did they not have the PS2 version in Europe? No. Oh, really? No, b- wow. because the hard drives, the hard drive, um, and the and the modem were just really unpopular over here, mm-hmm. so they just didn't bother. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, I I mean, if I had been living in the UK or in Europe at the time, I never would have played because I never had the PC. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I think I think that's a very interesting thing. My, my PC as well was, was, it couldn't really hack the game. Really? I remember, you know, obviously there were the, all the, you, so you couldn't use any of the tools either. So there was like the, the one of the biggest problems with the, the PC version was that you couldn't alt-tab. Really? Yeah, you couldn't alt-tab. If you alt-tab, the game quit. Oh. And so there was a program called Windower, which enabled you to play the game in a window. And, and no, it was one of those things where it wasn't really cheating. But, because you know, but if, if I remember correctly, it's one of the things that if Square caught you using, they yeah. actually would have banned you for it. Yeah, because it's a third party tool. Yeah. And it's just like, how is it any different from having your PS2 set up to a monitor? You know, you, it, you know it, was, it was just a really stupid thing. But. Um, yeah, so when I first started on my second character, I, I had a little bit more thought process about what I wanted to do because I had a bit of experience. Yeah. So I didn't go because the problem with Final Fantasy XI is that once you've got your character, that is it. That that really is it. You know, World of Warcraft, you can create as many characters you, as you want for different jobs, different classes, different skills, etc., etc. But not not in eleven. You have one character, and that character will do everything you want it to do. Yeah. So like, once you've picked your name done that's it once you picked your race done yes and it's pretty daunting actually because mmos are are things where you know it's kind of like real life to a degree you know if you make a choice that's bad it's gonna stick with you yeah yeah it means you you have to compensate for it uh, unless you decide you know what i'm gonna go back i'm gonna start from the beginning which really at a certain point in 11 is no longer an option it really is exactly so i mean i picked a tarot because Mm -hmm. i just thought they were the coolest things ever and when you see a tarot kicking, especially like a high-level tarot paladin in his AF armor, it's just the cutest thing you can ever see. It is. And, it is. and that is the reason why I picked a tarot. I, 
What, what did you pick, Brian? I actually did the same. I went with Ataru. Um, but but I picked it because, you know, when I was talking to Daniel about the game and he was telling me all about it and what he was doing and whatnot, I, I kind of wanted to be a white mage, which is what I started out as. And so Aww. I was kind of like, all right, if I'm going to be a mage, the Taru are the best for that. They have the most MP. They can just go crazy with this. So I chose Taru for that. And then ironically, later on, I ended up choosing more melee roles. But that was all right. I was able just to buy better gear for it and still was able to kick some ass and that again goes back to the whole like your choices thing because yeah. certain characters were better for certain roles like yeah. taru were probably the most limited i mean i think they were the, the best job they were was black mage and everything yeah. else they were average at like the other major roles they were average at mm-hmm. and um, but, but what they but what they didn't have in skills they made up for in the amount of uh, mp that they had to yeah, be able exactly. to cast spells they, they could just keep casting and casting and casting and never stop so it was all that compensation, yeah. like you know, if you, if you don't have the the HP, but you can, if you're a paladin, you can cast more st- uh, so spells. Yeah. You can get better aggro and stuff. But like you really, if you're a tarot paladin, it was very rare. Yeah, you had to be damn good. Exactly. It, it was the same with uh, you know another one of the races was called a Galka, which were the really Black really mage. kind of yeah, the, 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 they were the really big kind of beast looking characters. They were fantastic at melee, but they were awful. At uh, at any kind of mage role, so and and I, I always felt bad because whenever I would get into a party and I'd see a Galka mage of some kind, whether it was a black mage, a white mage, or a summoner or something, I'd always judge them and think, "Oh, this party's yeah. doomed for failure because they're, they'll never be able to do the job properly." Because it, it's like you know, I I decided that I was going to be a black mage yep. from the start. Um, again, for the same reason, you know, it's it, it's just built for it exactly and. You know, I, I never really cared that much about money, so I, I pretty much got through on, on more skill and just kind of getting by. Yeah. And the great thing about that was that you, you could join, like, even when you're in, like, high link shells and stuff, it didn't really matter what you had. You're a Taru black mage. No matter what you did, you probably still had more intelligence than every other character in there. <laughs> That's very, very true. <laughs> But we also got, I mean, black. I, I ended up going black mage in the end. But we got a lot of, uh, a lot of flack. You know, I, I think that was really the job more than any other that was that people were crying out that needed to be modded, that it needed to be nerfed a bit, that we were just too overpowered. Oh um, yeah, because I mean, we'll get onto it a bit later. But when you're kind of going up to level seventy-five, it's a bit of a ball ache. Yeah. Um, but because of how strong black mages are you could do an unconventional party setup of just complete black mages, black mages and exactly. just nuke the crap out of things. <laughs> and it was so much fun. <laughs> Although if things went wrong, it they is. went wrong. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is no contingency plan in a party like that. If one person makes a mistake, you all will pay the price. So um, on that note, uh, what, were some, what were some of your favorite moments from playing the game? Oh, man. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I would have to say my absolute... I think that there are two moments that, that I really enjoyed more than others. Uh, one was uh, Daniel and I came into contact with a really high level, at the time a level 75 um, thief who was actually from Japan. His name was, uh, we pronounced it Pi. It was P-A-I. Um, and there are certain missions and certain uh, tasks that you have to do, certain kind of landmark uh, uh, quests that you have to go on in 11 and w- unless you have a, a full party of people you know D 
decently geared, they, they can be pretty tough to get through. But if you have a really high level person, you can actually breeze through them pretty quickly. And we came into contact with this guy, and on multiple occasions, he would you know get together with us and would actually take us through it. But because of the time difference, uh, Daniel and I were always waking up at the butt crack of dawn just to get on when he was <laughs> on. So you know it's six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, and we're on you know farming for materials. And and I I always remember the, those moments, and they, they were absolutely fantastic. He was such a good sport for for taking us taking two noobs through all of the game. Um, but the other one, uh, this is one of the funniest moments that ever happened to me. Um, when I was first leveling up the White Mage, I actually got into what's called a static party, which is essentially you just have a party where you go out and you level up together. And uh, and so we, you know, after leveling for a little while, we all got up to level forty. And there is something called a BCNM, which is a Burning Circle Notorious Monster. And you can face these big bosses at various levels. This one was a level 40 monster. So we got in, and uh, we're, we're getting our, our strategy ready. And essentially what you're fighting is you're fighting these things called Mandragoras, which are... I would call them walking mushrooms. Does that sound like yeah, an appropriate? Yeah, they're in Final Fantasy Eleven. Uh, sorry, Final Fantasy Twelve as well. Yes, yes, they are. And uh, and so you have one big black Mandragora. He's the main boss, and then you have I think six to eight uh, white ones, which are kind of the sub mini bosses. And you fight them all at the same time. And so we get this we get this entire strategy set up, and we're like, okay, we're gonna send the bard up there. He's gonna sing, He's gonna do a song. He's gonna put them to sleep, and then he's gonna pull all the other ones back to us. And so he gets up there, he starts casting, that aggro's all of them, they bum rush him, and they just destroy him. He gets hit like three times in rapid succession, he goes down. We're way far back, we're thinking, okay, that's alright, we'll just wait for them to... Did you see the health bar going down? It, 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 It wasn't that it slowly went down, it was just like full empty and that was it and he was done and so we're thinking okay the 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 mandragores haven't seen us we haven't aggroed them they're not going to come after us we were very very wrong and it's like that scene in a cartoon where all you see is the dust cloud of the enemy coming towards (laughs) you and uh, the the mandragores catch up to us and it's just chaos (laughs) we're all trying to exit out of this of this special bcnm you know you can you can go out a portal but it's like that scene in a television show where you've got too many people trying to go through one door they all get stuck so none of us can get out (laughs) meanwhile we're all just getting pummeled to death and we all finally die and normally in 11 when you die you have reason to be pissed because a lot of bad stuff happens when you die but at that moment all we could do was just laugh and realize my gosh we are complete idiots (laughs) (laughs) it was fantastic i will always remember that moment i think um the bcnms i think because of what they were it was like they were designed at level 40 but it was a level 40 cap on purpose exactly because you could do it as a higher level it didn't make a difference it was all about your skill it was and you had to have a strategy and if your strategy didn't work you would just get raped uh yeah exactly chains of promathia was the epitome of that because there are these entire levels where you had to be a certain level yeah and the monsters in those just to get to the boss were damn hard they were they were so many instances where you sort of you have to creep around everywhere and, and yeah. everyone has to walk in perfect unison and it was crazy exactly um i mean i think some of my favorite moments i actually really like the exploration part of things really? i i remember when i first got to um kazam sorry not kazam that was not a happy time Chunga <laughs> <laughs> jungle <laughs> no I, I remember when i first got to um tavnasia yeah 
and uh, you know you, you go through the portal in the Valcombe Dunes and you just sort of walk out there and you just see this amazing landscape and you're just thinking this is this is really cool yeah and you sort of walk around and, and I love that whole going into new areas and that everyone has that sort of trepidation about sh- should I be here like I remember because I think one of the Black Mage uh, AF armor and, and the AF a piece of armor we'd get uh, level 50 onwards which is sort of your ultimate gear yeah even though it's better but yeah it's, yeah. it's your ultimate gear um, and I think one of them was in the Garlage Citadel it would be like a crate that would just pop up somewhere in the back and it was one of those things where there were certain spells you could use that you could sneak you could um, use uh, invisible and yeah. there was a deodorant where you could make yourself not smell and that were the different, three, the different ways that people the enemies could aggro you yeah and you'd sort of run in these areas you'd put them all on and then you start seeing it flicker. Exactly. And you've got to try and find a safe spot. Yeah. But you're never quite sure if there's something just around the corner. Exactly. It's just going to hit you. And then it it's like playing Metal Gear Solid to a degree. It really? You know, that's a, that's a great way to put it. That's exactly what it was. And then to make matters even worse, there were certain enemies that would aggro when you cast magic. So they, they aggro if they see you or if they hear you. And then if you're too close to them when you're trying to apply all of these buffs, they'll aggro you again. <laughs> and it's like you kind of you kind of get what you need to do. And then you quickly warp, 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 warp. Exactly. Get out of there. Just get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about in the Garlage Citadel because that back section, you know, the front section, a lot of people will spend time yeah, there level. leveling. But the back section, that's like... That's like no hardcore, like skeletons, and don't uh, don't. If you mess up, you're going to die here. <laughs> it's also that they took it out, but um, I remember we're in the Yotunga jungle. When you go into the second part of mm-hmm. it, I think it's the Yotoa jungle. Y- Yotar, I think. Um, there was just that. I don't know if you remember. You go in there the first bit, and there's that, that T junction. Yeah. And people used to just camp along there. You know, sometimes you'd get like five or six parties at different various points. And you'd all compete with each other. Exactly. With the, the monsters around. You'd have a designated person, like a, a ranger, who would go out and pull the monsters and yeah. bring them back. And it used to be so funny because you'd get somewhere. So sometimes you would pull monsters that were slightly too strong for you. Yeah. Or the puller would make a mistake and they'd aggro. and like Because monsters, if you, if you pull the monster and another monster that was near it, of a certain type saw that they would join in exactly so if you pulled a goblin and another goblin saw that you'd pulled the goblin that goblin would come to help yep and so you'd get back to the party the ranger would think oh yeah I got I'd this I pulled a good one here right <laughs> and then everyone would be like what have you done no you pulled another <laughs> goblin and then usually there would be a moment where you think right we've got this everyone goes into like serious mode exactly. and like the paladin's like you know I've got this just keep me alive we'll do this we'll deal with this then the paladin dies, and you're thinking, "We don't have this. Don't Everyone, have- run, run to the zone." And what what then happened before the patch was that the monsters would make their way back to where they came from. Exactly, and if and you were one of the parties in between out. there, exactly. If if if, if where if, if if you had a party in between where the original party messed up and where that goblin needed to get to, it would aggro you on its way back to its spot. It was terrible. It, and you just get this whole like everyone would pretty much evacuate the area. Exactly. It was so funny. Obviously, the reason they got rid of it is because people used to exploit it. But I didn't really care. It was just it was part of the game. 
Yeah, it was. It was, but I, at the same time, though, you, you did have people trying to wipe parties on purpose, which was which was really frustrating. Finally, what they did is that if you pulled uh, a monster and you couldn't beat it and you had to zone out, uh, once the monster, once all of the people who had had been attacking it zoned out, the monster would just disappear and then reappear uh, in its original location, which which was good. It did keep uh, what was called ganking down to a minimum, but still, though, it was. Uh, it was a pain it in the just butt. Got a, yeah, it got away from the fun a bit. I think, like, those kind of moments, it... I mean, there were so many nice instances in there as well. Like, you know, when you're in the Valcom Dunes, and I don't know if you did it as well, but you're thinking, right, well, I've got half an hour to spend while I'm searching for party. I'll just go there and just help some people, you know? Yeah. You just stand next to them and just start curing them, and, yeah. and then the monster's, like, beating the crap out of you, but it doesn't do anything whatsoever, and everyone's like, whoa, this yeah. guy's, like, so strong. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now I, I used to go out there. You know, you would level up in the Valcrum Dunes from about ten to level twenty, roughly. Yeah. And uh, and I would go out there with my level sixty, seventy white mage and just start curing people. And uh, the monster can't even hit me at that level. And it was it was so much fun. I just there, I think there were so many good things about it. But like, obviously everything has to come to an end. So I mean, what was what was eventually the reason that you stopped playing? And, and when did you stop playing? You know, it it was interesting. I I stopped playing. The, the reason that I stopped playing was actually the reason that I loved the game the most uh, in the beginning, which which sounds a little weird, but essentially what Final Fantasy XI does really well, which is also its its biggest con for most people, is that it forces you to interact with other people. To, to do anything in the game, anything notably good or notably... Uh, 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 any kind of progression, you have to you have to work with other people. Uh, if you want to level up, at the time you you had to have a party. Um, some of these things have lessened since then. Uh, there is there are more opportunities to solo, but it, it wasn't World of Warcraft. You had to work with other people, um, and so it it created a great sense of community, and I loved that. But because you had to do that, you had to spend a lot of time doing pretty much anything. You had to wait for a long time to get a group together, to get a party, to find the right people. Um, yeah, and when Brian's saying a long time here, he's talking like four to five hours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and to, I would spend, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day partying. And, and I mean, honestly, I did, it didn't really feel like it was that long. Uh, you know, I would get up after, you know, you know, six hours of partying and think, you know, I, I still want to keep partying. I only had to stop because the party had to, had to disband, but you know, I really enjoyed it. And I started playing the game at the perfect time. It was when I was still in college. So I had an inordinate amount of free time. Um, but then, that free time started to disappear more and more and more, and and essentially I had to stop playing because I just did not have the time to keep uh, to keep doing it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the main problems of Final Fantasy XI. Um, unlike other MMOs out there, everything takes a huge amount of time, it or it used to take a long. Like getting to level seventy-five was actually a major achievement. It like was. a lot of people didn't ever get there yeah. because of how much time in, in, you needed to invest. It's not like World of Warcraft where you know you get these people that can do it in like a week or two. <laughs> getting to level seventy-five in in Final Fantasy XI used to take months. Yeah, it did. <coughs> I remember that I um, because of when I picked up the game. And I had a little bit of experience, so I, I kind of breezed through the earlier levels. But I think I got to level seventy five in about two, sort of two to three months, and, mm-hmm. and that was that was quick. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, you you must have been that that was the only. If this was Black Mage, then that was all you did at all yeah. times. 
pretty much. And, uh, you know, I got White Mage up very quickly because it wasn't just you had to get Black Mage up. You had to get your supporting job up to half the level. Exactly. And if you didn't have that, then people would complain. You'd get, could be called a gimp and all this stuff. And <laughs> But it, get it. The, the thing about it is that every single level needed more time. It so did. you could get from level 1 to 10 in probably a couple of hours if you knew what you were doing. Exactly, yeah. Getting from level 74 to level 75, that itself could take a week. It did, it did. And, and then you've got the problem of if you die, yeah. you lose a ton you of experience. Lose experience, yep. So not only did you have to get 75, you had to get beyond 75 to make sure you had a, a like a cushion. Exactly. And then it didn't actually stop at 75 either because you could get points on top of that. Yep. When you've got a certain amount of experience, which you could then spend to enhance your character further, yeah. but you'd still lose it all. Well, you wouldn't lose the points, but you'd lose your, you know, if you went on a big, um, like, monster hunt kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, for against a notorious monster, you could die, like, four or five times. Oh, yeah. And if you didn't have a white mage of raise three, yeah. you could take a serious hit there, oh, and yeah. then you'd have to spend hours and hours and hours trying to get that back again. I know. It was It was insane. And what's crazy now is that they have raised the level cap. It is no longer 75. They have raised it all the way up to 99. Uh, and so, you know, I, I have not had a chance to go back into the game and try and do that. I, I don't even know if I could. I, I think my knowledge of the game is is so poor now. And the fact that because there are so there are new jobs that have been developed and the strategies for everything have changed so much now. I'm not sure. I, even traveling in the game, I don't even know if I could do that anymore. It, it, it's just such a foreign concept to me. I just—that's one of the reasons I love being a black mage as well. Because you had all the teleports, you had the warp. You didn't need anyone for anything. Yeah, really, you could get anywhere. Yeah, you could, and you um, could send anybody anywhere at a certain level. Yeah. Which was nice because, it, like, uh, that's the kind of thing I loved about the game as well. Like, it had its own economy. Yeah. Every MMO does. Yeah, but. In Final Fantasy VII, it, it, it felt like it was kind of a first in many ways because, like, people used to hold themselves out effectively. Yeah. If you had a skill that you knew people wanted, pe- you would charge for it. Like, <laughs> if people gosh. needed teleportation somewhere, you would say, like, right, I'll teleport you, but it's going to cost you a thousand gil. Yep, I you need did a warp, that. I'll teleport you, but it's going to cost you. Oh, I so did that. I did that. Oh, my. That, that, that's how I funded my, my white mage character for, like... 15, 20 levels. I just did nothing but it's, it was called teletaxing. You know, you would just, I would just stand in the city of Juno. Well and like shouts exactly, and stuff. Exactly, exactly. And, and like you get macro, well on PC you could get macros to send out prompts and all yep. that stuff. And it for me, that is again, as you say Brian, it was one of the, the, the wonderful things about the game but it was also one of the ball aches too because yeah. it became a job. It, it did. It really did. It did. And I, I too was at the time where I had loads of time because I, I kind of played the game on and off. I was a bit sneaky with how I did the subscription. So <laughs> when I was at university, I would cancel my subscription because I would, if you cancelled it for th- more than three months, your a character would be deleted, mm. which was like a big thing oh, because yeah. you could lose everything. So I used to cancel my account for three months, come back on the fourth, renew it, and then it would just keep keep going on. So I only paid for sort of about six months a year. <laughs> but during the time off, I, I never had work to do when I wasn't at university mm-hmm. so I could just play religiously and especially during the summer there's nothing else to do oh yeah so I used to sort of I ended up sleeping on America time I think I went to bed at midday <laughs> woke up around 7 o'clock in the evening ready for dinner <laughs> and then just played through the night it was it was pretty crazy but 
it as uh, as with everything like the more serious you get into it the more that politics come into play and mm-hmm. when you hit level 75 you completed the main story for your campaign yeah that's when the game actually it's when it really starts i know it's a bit of a cliche yeah but but it is when it really starts i mean you can't do the story until you're 75 anyway and yeah. you know it can take you like a year or two to complete the main story which i think is pretty bad because mm-hmm. by that point you've forgotten what's happening you have no idea what's going on because i so mean that, that, that's that's the mmo syndrome in general yeah. I, final fantasy 11 made it a bit worse because it took so long to do stuff but yeah i mean that that's a unfortunately a very common problem yeah and, and no one really wanted to do them either you'd be like yeah. shouting like i need help with this mission it's like yeah. well what am I going to get out of it? Like, you had to find people that also needed to do it and exactly. that wanted to do it, had the time. It was a pain. But anyway, I, so, you know, when you get to that stage, you it's all about getting better gear, experiencing everything else. So you, you join a league shell. Um, and, you know, when you first... It, it's all... It's all about like experience. So yeah. you, you join a link shell, uh, which is a, an H and M link shell, basically. So you go around hunting like really strong monsters to try and get the best gear. Yeah, and you know they've all got their own online forums. It's all like leadership and like um, everyone deserves this and everyone works together. Yep. And like you know if you come this amount of time and you know blah blah blah. When you first start, you start off in a crappy link shell because you've got no reputation whatsoever. <laughs> As you build up. You start getting in a better link shell. I ended up in a link shell called Lemonade, mm-hmm. which was like the cool one on our server. Yeah, and uh, I think there was like one or two that was obviously like of, the, of equal or, or slightly better reputation, um, and there were obviously the crappy ones that everyone sort of snubs their nose at. <laughs> um, and the problem what, that I had was that um, it, like once you're in one of those link shells, you stay in there. Yeah, unless you piss someone off, you stay in there. Exactly, and like everyone knows when you're walking around like people check and they're like oh they're in lemonade they must be pretty good exactly and um also the color of the link show as well yeah like, i was bright yellow it's pretty it stands out quite a lot exactly and, and everyone sort of knows and um the problem that i had was that i couldn't necessarily dedicate as much time as like because i obviously didn't play during um semesters uh i kind of got a bit behind with items mm-hmm. as well and there were loads of things like um Oh, what was it called? Where you there was Sky, which yeah, was Sky. quite cool, uh, and then there was obviously the expansion packs for COP. There wasn't really anything that, that there was Treasures of Argon and all that stuff. And there was oh, what was the place you went into in Bastok where you could collect all the, those of different stuff, and then you could get the ultimate weapons. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, um, that took a long time, basically. Not ballista. Uh, and, oh my gosh, keep keep talking. I'm gonna figure this out. Yeah. So so basically, the whole thing was that you would have to go in and like. <clears throat> a massive alliance of like 30 people and you would just get monsters coming at you and at you and at you and they would drop special items which could then be exchanged for certain things and then um like only only once one person you could sort of save up certain things yourself but the link show would sort of divvy this person's going to get this item and they ended up that you get the ultimate weapon for a, a specific weapon type and you know these are so rare that literally on a server, there will be so like one person that has the ultimate scythe, one person that has the ultimate shield. Yep, takes so much investment from the entire group to get one person one thing. And then in my link shell, the person it was a paladin, he got the shield, then quit. Oh my gosh, so much drama, and you're just like, oh, is this really worth it? And you know, you you start getting a bit selfish because you're like, well. I've got to do all these events when I'm not going to get anything out of them. When am I going to get something? And and you know, and if you miss your event, then it's your fault. Yeah. You know, and you kind of get left behind a bit. And 
And then at the end of a summer holiday, my link shell disbanded. And the problem that I had then was that I was going on a two, three month break. Mm-hmm. If when I came back for Christmas, would anyone A, know who I was anymore? <laughs> because, you know, you've got to apply to these link shells. Yeah. And by that point, you're going to be a lot further behind in equipment wise. And, you know, they, they take a lot of things like that into consideration. You, you've got to go for a few, full application process. You've got to be approved by the members. It's very rigorous. And I just thought, you know what? I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I just don't because oh, it's just going to be a case of I'd come back if I couldn't get in a link shell. What can I do? Yeah, exactly. And then, and then you you just think, well, you know, I could help people, but I'm paying to help people get through the game, but I can't actually do anything myself. Exactly. You know, I couldn't. I didn't ever end up finishing. I finished uh, the Rise of Zilart story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't ever finish Chains of Promethea. I think I got pretty far, but. It gets to the point where you need a dedicated group of people yeah. to get through that. Yeah. Like, you need people you trust. Exactly. You need people with exactly the right job types. And unless you have that, it's so hard to find people who want to sort of... No one wants to do it willingly because you're going to die a lot. Exactly. And if you've already done it, you don't want to do it again. <laughs> exactly. Or at least you don't want to do it with people that you don't trust. Exactly, and um, and go, going back, you were talking about uh, this, this these big alliance fights in the cities. It was called Dynamis. That's the one, and yeah, was, they were pretty awesome. The music was cool. It, it was cool, and and it was so scary that it was, it was again one of those things where if you don't have the right setup, no, if, if people don't know what they're doing, that goes horribly wrong. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it it, it could very very easily just kind of turn around and bite you. And but but what was really strange was that with Dynamis, you are it it it. You're in the city, in, in these main cities that you have been running around in for forever and ever and ever, but you're in kind of this weird alternate universe. So it's the exact yeah. same city, but you've got these really high, high, high-level monsters in there that can just completely wipe your entire group if you're not careful. And it's it's weird. I mean, it was that, that juxtaposition of this really nice place that I've run around in and that I have all these memories from, and now I'm getting raped up the bum by these monsters. What's happening here? What's going on? I don't understand. And, and it was it was just it was kind of creepy in a way because it's like this dark portal area of this it, it was just yeah. it was really strange but I really enjoyed it it was it was it was honestly it was I, just controlled chaos that's all it was yeah I mean I think when you get up to that higher level the game just it takes a whole different life like going to Sky for the first time yeah. it's, it's such an amazing place it is but you are scared out of your pants <laughs> exactly because you know. Especially as a black mage, Taro. Yep. If you get hit, you die. Yeah, <laughs> very fast. <laughs> it's not like because I, my friend who I, I played the game was a paladin, so uh-huh. you know when we used to go around together, it was kind of okay. Uh, I do remember one bit in the the Beardo, mm-hmm. which is the quad of home uh, home place. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, um, we were getting a little bit confident, and we were sort of chaining a few together, and then. You, you, I'm sure you remember what it's like in those places. There are there are enemies that just appear. Exactly. <laughs> and like we were fighting this guy in front of like a hut, and we didn't know that there were about four Quadav sitting inside this hut. So these we're like, oh yeah, we've got this. And then these other ones just started charging out, and we're just like, where the hell did they what come? Happened? Oh, we can we can still we can still do this. And then some more come, and then some more, and you're just like. What? No, this isn't supposed to be happening. We're supposed to be comfortable here. <laughs> and then we sort of like suicide to try and save the other one. And then we both end up dying. And then yep. there'll be a, few, a short bit of rage. And then we'd be just like, oh, wow. <laughs> 
then it turns into, oh, I gotta go eat. See ya, and then yeah. people start disappearing. The idea, I think the um, the th- the fourth expansion, that the, the uh, Treasures of Art Ugan, I think that it helped breathe a lot of life back into the game because that was when they started sort of taking ideas from World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of the things you could do yourself, but they added a lot of quests. I think what was it called? Uh, the Beast something. Uh, um, uh, uh, Besiege. Yeah, that's the one. Besiege. Where it wasn't just about killing stuff. You had to do certain things. Like, I remember there was one where you had to make an enemy throw his axe through a door. Pain in the arse. But still, they were really fun. And, like, you know, you had to go and collect certain treasure and things like that. And, again, though, if you didn't have a set group of people, getting people together... They also had a conquest was an amazing thing as well. Mm -hmm. Like, each city was constantly competing with each other to try and take over certain things. And if you get rewards and... There was also in Art of Gun could get taken over by monsters and anyone in there at the time, you'd have to fight to try and save the city. Exactly. And then you just see these people just running around like complete badasses, just like going, "Yeah, I'm gonna stab." <laughs> Especially thieves because they could just stab everything in the back. Exactly. <laughs> oh. But then you get these, like in the in the city square, you just get these huge, massive monsters. You've got like you know the special names, like the I think the labias. Oh, they were a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were lots of memories, but yeah. I think we should move on to uh, something else, Brian, that I guess was kind of an impetus behind the whole podcast. <laughs> um, so it's almost two years ago now that Brian and I started up a, a podcast series called Gaming Music MF, uh, Gaming Music FM, or mm-hmm. GMFM for short, and the first episode we did was Final Fantasy XI. It was. And obviously... Obviously, you can tell the reason we did that was because it was a game that we, we hold pretty close to our hearts. Yeah, it's one that we knew very, very well. Yeah, because when you're playing an MMO, you hear the music a lot. A lot. So much so that you end up just turning it off and listening to your own music, but we'll not go into that. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's bad music, it just means you get a bit fed up with it. Exactly. Um, so, you know, when we talked about it, we, we had a pretty mixed opinion about it. You know, there's definitely some good stuff in there, but there's also some bad. And, and um, I think... You know, did that kind of lead? It, is it obviously not GMFM related? But you obviously had these thoughts before the the um, the podcast mm-hmm. we did. You know, what was was that kind of the main impetus behind doing the album? That like you wanted to sort of improve it, the the things that you didn't necessarily think had done been done so well. What? What? what I mean, that that was the. I would say that was the goal of the uh, of the pro- of the project itself of the album was to be able to say, okay, look, I love the melodies that 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 have been created, but I think the production quality of the music just wasn't all that great. So let me see if I can do it better. But I mean, really, the the desire to do a remix, not even just an album, but just a one single remix from Final Fantasy XI was something that I that I had wanted to do since I had started playing the game. Because when I'd started playing the game, I was also part of the the overclocked remix community, which and I was beginning to learn how to do music arrangement and production and whatnot. But at that time, I was just god awful at it. It was terrible. <laughs> I did two remixes: one for Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, and one for Halo, and they were just so embarrassingly bad. So Final Fantasy XI was kind of this this untouchable source. I wasn't going to do it uh, until no I, I knew that I could. No either, did they? It, 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 was, it was a game that kind of was left untouched for a long time. It was, it was. And I don't know... I, 
I can't remember if I was the first one to get a remix on there or if it was somebody else who did it right before me. I'd have to go up and check uh, on Overclocked Remix. But yeah, Final Fantasy XI wasn't one that was done a lot. And if there was a song, a remix that was done, really all it was was just taking the the original song and just adding like a techno beat behind it. There was a lot of that. Um, but there wasn't really any kind of true remixes, true uh, uh, rearrangements, reorchestrations, etc. I mean, do you, do you feel that's because, um, I mean, I, we haven't really touched on this in the episode, but I feel that a lot of Final Fantasy fans skipped over Final Fantasy. Oh, 11. absolutely. I mean, I remember you, you talked to people on the game, and, you know, they've played Final Fantasy, and there were quite a lot of hardcore fans on there, but the majority of people you talked to, they just haven't touched it. No. They didn't want to touch it. Exactly, exactly. And Do you feel that was kind of behind, like, you know, that the soundtrack kind of got tarnished with the same brush a bit? Like, people just didn't want to kind of even appreciate it or recognize that it existed i think i mean that that's been the that that has been the viewpoint i i think for most final fantasy fans since the beginning of the game um i I think you know i think it it might have been a bit more popular or rather it would have been received a little more kindly had it not been named final fantasy 11 had it not been called a numbered series if it had just been final fantasy online people would have said okay that's fine you know I'll, i'll give it a shot but because it was a numbered game people were like why is it online it shouldn't be online it should yeah, you know it still baffles me why they didn't call it Final Fantasy Online. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I, 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 it never bothered me, but I know that it bothered a lot of other people. And I think because a lot, Final Fantasy XI may be the most uh, profitable game for Square Enix, but I don't, I wouldn't say that it's the most popular by far. It's just, no. it, it, it's the most profitable because it, you know, they have a constant stream of income. But yeah, I think because it was not received as, or it's really even to this day not seen as a real Final Fantasy game. Um, that so many people have not played it and therefore they haven't been involved in the music at all. So there are numerous expansions in there and I think many people feel that the the tracks in the expansions kind of supersede the original soundtrack a little bit. Really? So, you know, well, in the the expansions there are tracks that aren't so good, Mm -hmm. like Yutonga Jungle. (laughs) But (laughs) there are also tracks that are really good, like Mm Zetar and... I think that the good tracks in the expansions outweigh the good tracks in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you take out the crap ones mm-hmm. as as a whole, I think that in the expansions there were definitely some gems in there. You know, you look at Theatre of them, they've included Zetar in, in, in the first kind of DLC. Yeah. It's clear. I don't know why they didn't include it in the actual game, but, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. that's a discussion for another time. But, <laughs> so what what was your decision to, to kind of just focus on the original score and not doing any of the expansions given how popular you know some of the tracks are? Well, y- you know, that's the thing. I mean, I, I do agree. There are some great tracks on, on the expansions, but I for me and, and my, my level of nostalgia for the game, I identify with the original soundtrack way above anything from the from the expansions. And I think, and, and the reason I chose just to focus on the original soundtrack in the beginning was that I wanted to be able to kind of re-experience the game, but re-experiencing it through the music and not through actually playing the game. And and I think the reality is that, as you said earlier, at a certain point, you know, we turn the music off. Every player will turn the music either down or they'll just turn it off, not because they hate the music, but just because they've heard it so many times and they just want a little quiet. Um, And because of that... 
I know for you know for me and my experience within the game I actually missed out on a lot of the music in the expansions because by the time I reached that that area for all of that content I had long since turned the music down uh, and, yeah. and Zeta was actually a great example I had no idea that there was music in Zeta even though I'd been running around it forever and ever and ever until I was partying I was in there and the somebody said as well. somebody said oh man the music in here is great and I'm like there's music here and so I turned it up I'm like <laughs> oh that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah I, I remember it, it was one of the places where there were cert- there were certain places where you'd sort of you turn the music back up and then turn down what you were listening to. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the, the different in- different instances. There weren't many too many others, but mm-hmm. I, but but, but, was, when, it, but when you take a look at but when you take a look at your experience as a whole, Zeta is is a fantastic track, and, and from a compositional standpoint, I think it's one of the best that that was done for the game. Period. But but when I when I look at it from my experience within the game. I, yeah. I identify and my nostalgia comes from the original soundtrack, from all of those songs that I that I heard when I first started playing the game. And I would argue that the vast majority of the people who have played Eleven have the exact same nostalgia, that that is what they identify like their experience the, the, with. The cities, exactly. starting cities, yeah. just like the Sandoria theme is just ingrained in my brain. Exactly. And also, I mean, that was... And this is a bit shallow, but that was kind of one of the reasons I went to Sandura as well, because I knew if I go and level up, I'm going to have to either listen to Gustaberg, Saruta Baruta, or Ronfor. And Ronfor is by far the best piece oh, of those three. Uh, I, yeah, okay, you know, you're from Sandoria. I'll let that slide. I love Saruta Baruta. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that song. We'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> so, on that note, what, what were some of your favorite pieces to arrange? Um, you know, I, I I have not given an official listing of all of the songs that ha- that that I have rearranged. So, I won't go into too much detail, but I will say. Um, I think the one that I enjoyed doing the most was actually Saruta Baruta. Um, and, Damn it! <laughs> and, and what what's interesting is that. I didn't expect it to be. You know, I, I expected, you know, one of the kind of the, the higher energy songs uh, to be really the ones that I really, really enjoy. Like the battle music or something like that. Yeah, something like that or Bastok. Um, but the reality is that when I started doing um, uh, Saruta Baruta, it, I don't know, it just it just kind of emerged. It, it grew into something that I never expected that it would. Um, and, you know, I've, I've let a few people listen to the album so far, and they, and they have heard that song. And really, with almost without fail, they have all come back and said, that's one of my favorite pieces. I don't know why. I, I can't really even explain why it was. You know, I've, got, I've had people who, you know, were, were, you know, Bastokians or Sandorians, you know, die hard. You know, they, they, that, is what, that, that is what they love. That is who they live for. But they would say that song on the album was one of my favorites. And I don't know why, but that was probably my favorite one to sit down and, uh, and really arrange. I think it turned out really well. I think it has the best structure as well because um, when you like Gustaberg is a very disjointed piece. Mm-hmm. There are so many different sections of that, yeah. and I, I think Saruta Baruta because that was a Mizuta piece, wasn't it? Oh, I believe it was. I believe it was. Yeah, and, and his pieces have a very, very t- t- distinctive style. They do, they do. And and I will say, you know, when when listening to the original soundtrack, not listening to the rearrangements, but listening to the original soundtracks, production-wise, Ron Fora has the best production of the original soundtrack. Uh so Saruta it, Baruta, it was the I think Ron Fora was the like the premiere piece, but when the game was kind of coming out, that was like the one that got leaked. I think it was called originally people thought it was called Longfall or something yeah, like that. And, yeah. And that was the kind of like everyone's like 
Whoa. Yeah. And and it, it it really I mean it's it sounded it sounded like a really great piece it, it really does sound like a great piece and out of the three areas you've got Saruta Baruta uh, Gustaberg and Ron Four Ron Four has the best um, has the best sound from the production quality and and it really is good uh, best scenery as well. I mean, it was. It was <laughs> I, I fell in love with the with the kind of savanna like quality of Saruta Baruta. But again, I mean, th- this this comes from what we experienced when we were leveling up. Because yeah. I mean, th- these areas are the ones that you actually spend a, a very healthy amount of time in in the beginning. No one likes Bastok, though. I mean, like <laughs> Gustaberg, it's just dust. It literally is just dust and sandworms. You know that that was a fun one for for me to arrange though. I it, it was a, it was a very challenging one. Um, and Ron Four, I will say, is one that is on the album. And uh, and that one, uh, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in just a minute. But that was one of the hardest ones for me to get through. Uh, and it actually caused a lot of problems for the album, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, there, there haven't been too many arrangements of that track purely because. I think it's kind of held up on a pedestal a bit. Yeah. And so anyone who w- wants to arrange it has to make sure they do it justice. Yeah, do it really well. And I, th- I think the only arrangement I've ever heard prior to your album that, that kind of did justice is, is the Japanese one with the with the vocals. I don't know if you've heard that. I have, yeah. And I remember hearing that and just thinking like, wow, they, these guys have actually done a good job. Yeah, exactly. No one else has, but these guys have. <laughs> So on, on that note, how, how long has the album been in production? For? Oh man, the, the album, the Land of Anadil, has been in production for much longer than it than it probably should have. Um, I actually started this three years ago. Um, Whoa! Where a, you know, I, I you're probably still playing the game then. <laughs> you know, it, it was funny. It, I, I at the time, uh, right before I started doing it, I uh, I was listening to uh, the soundtracks a lot, and I was listening to the piano arrangement albums that had been done for it. Um, and right, it was right about the time that. Uh, 14 was announced at E3 in 2009. Um, and, you know, I was just super psyched about 14. And uh, I was really going through, just had a real big nostalgia kick for 11. And so I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. So I did one of the, I, I did a rearrangement. And then I enjoyed it so much, I said, let's try another one. So I went on to the next one. And then I did the next one. And then I did another one. So I had four of them done. And, uh, and I, I thought that they sounded great. And I'm like, you know what, it's time to make an album. I'm going to do a full, complete album album here and then i moved on to the next one and that was ron four and i got about halfway (laughs) through it and just lost all inspiration i had no idea what to do with it um and partially for me i'm not sure if you've heard but there is a version of ron four uh that was already orchestrated and it was done in a concert called the tour de japan um where they did an or an an orchestral version of ron four and it's it's gorgeous it is absolutely gorgeous and here's me trying to do an orchestral arrangement of ron four and i just i can't even match the quality of that and i'm trying so hard to and it just keeps falling flat so i kind of hit that wall um and then i that uh and kind of went hand in hand with the fact that i had a lot of other projects come up at the exact same time so the final fantasy 11 project had to be put on the back burner and it stayed there for about you know two years uh, and i would pull it out every you know couple months or something be like okay i'm gonna finish this song up and 10 minutes later i'd close the program back down because i had nothing <laughs> more to add to it and uh but it wasn't until this past Mar- march in 2012 that i i got a, a message from a friend of mine who i'd let listen to some of the songs and uh, and he said you know i can't wait for you to finish this this uh this album and uh, I, I don't know what it was um but 
it was just it was it was like a light came on boom and all the inspiration was back and i sat down that day finished ron four and then blasted out 12 other tracks within the next month and a half two months uh so the project took probably i mean of good hard work i'd say probably three maybe four months but it 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 was spanned out over about three years. So it has been a, a long time in coming and I am very ready to get this thing out the door. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember hearing some of the, I think you've showed me some of the tracks over the past couple of years yeah. um, of ones that you've completed. And I, I think I gave you a few like, when are you going to fit? Brian, come on. <laughs> you need to finish this. You got to do it. I, but it, it was, it was the strangest thing. It really was. I hit that wall and I just could not get past it as, as hard as I tried. And I it's, really it's tried horrible. pushing. When, you, when you're, if you're doing anything creative, and I'm sure many of you guys listening are like, you either do art or music or anything like that. And you're, you're writing a piece, you're doing a drawing and you just, you just get a blank. Yeah. And, and then most people, when they hit that blank, just, they just give up. Yeah. They just, because I, I, I don't know if you're the same, Brian, but when you, when you kind of get on a roll, you just need to finish it. Exactly. And if you, anything gets in the way and, and makes you pause, you just can't go back to exactly. it. Exactly, it's so hard. It really, it really, really is. Uh, which is why, when the inspiration came back around a couple months ago, I just, I buried myself in it, and I just I didn't come up for air until I was damn near the end. Uh, and you know, I made a I made a few changes to to my original uh, lineup of songs. I added a couple and took one or two away. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I just. I stayed the course and I really tried to just bang this thing out as fast as I could because I had the inspiration for it. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people, when, when you know, they hear something like that, they think, oh, well, they're just rushing it out to rush it out. But really, when you have that inspiration, things just happen. It, they it, they, it they just happen and it, so quickly. And, it, and, it's, and it ends up working really, really well. You may make I some mean, small changes here and there, but really those big ideas, once you get them down and once you're really doing it, they really work out well. I mean, it happened the same for me as well. Like um, many, many, many years ago, um, w- when Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen was, you know, first announced, um, there was the trailer music, and and uh, there was some talk on um, FXN, which is was David's site, about you know this guy was doing an arrangement, and I was just like, mm, I'm sure I could do a better job than that, <laughs> which is pretty horrible to say, but I just thought, you know, like I, I would be really good if someone could actually do this because no one at that point, no one had arranged Somnus at all. Yeah. And I was just like, wouldn't it be really cool if I could be the person to do that? So I just sat down and spent like three hours just doing this arrangement, which doesn't sound like a very long time, really, because it's three hours. And I just knocked that out. And I think, you know, that is I think that went on to be like the most used arrangement on YouTube. Yeah. But it's like since then, I've I've thought, you know, I really want to do an arrangement (laughs) of something. And I just like you sit down, you you can't think of an intro and you say, no, I can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> if, if you don't have that kind of just... That spark. It, sometimes it just goes in your brain. You know yeah. exactly what you want to do yeah. and it just you can crack it out in like an, a, a couple of hours and then you just think back and you're just like, pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. And then other times you're just like, it's just not, it's just not happening. <laughs> it's just not happening. Well, the, 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 when you try and force it, it's terrible. It really is. But I mean, the, the Land of Anadil, the album was was it, it it helped that 
this was not only just me doing a rearrangement of it, but it was me being able to relive certain experiences within the game and, and to visit this, this very profound sense of nostalgia. You know, having both of those things kind of play a part, having that initial inspiration and then having that that kind of that deep-seated need to experience it again, it, it, it created a, an incredible driving force here. And the, the reality is that you know, I don't. I'm not doing this to try and uh, and and replace the music from Final Fantasy XI. I think that the soundtrack is fantastic, and I still listen to it to this day. Um, this is really it. It is it. It really is trying to accomplish two things. One is just me being able to pay an homage to the game that I have put more time into than any other game ever in my life, and and also just to, just kind of to create a what if. What if the music had been done this way? What if it could have been done this way? What if it was this way? This is what it might sound like. So on that note, <laughs> what are your plans for the future, Brian? Like, what do you get once the album's out, which is on the first of August? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do then? To be honest, I, I have a couple other projects that I'm working on. I haven't announced any of them yet. Um, you know, I, I have been asked uh, by a couple people, you know, will I do a volume two? Will I do a volume three? Uh, the answer is that I, I don't know yet. Uh, or rather, I haven't announced whether I will or I won't. Maybe I'm already working on it. Maybe I'm not. He's taking the Square Enix route here <laughs> with sequels. Rest assured, I will not announce it unless I'm unless I'm certain it will be done and in a reasonable time and when you announce that you're doing episode two or version two you'll say that it was never intended but since there's been so much fan demand (laughs) Uh, meanwhile right now i've done you know six of the ten tracks it's going to be on the album already i'm like "Uh, you guys said you wanted it so i guess i'll start now <laughs> but no, in, ter- in terms of future projects, there are definitely some that are in the works right now. Uh, but as they, you know, as I get a little further in, uh, and I and I figure out what I'm going to do with them exactly, then I will, I will definitely, definitely be announcing them. Very exciting. Excellent. So we have uh, this show has gone on for uh, way longer than we initially <laughs> intended. By the way. <laughs> We were thinking, we were before we were like, yeah, it's going to be about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We're now at about an hour, so <laughs> hopefully we haven't sent you guys to sleep. Exactly. But we've got one final treat for you, which is an arrangement from the album uh, as a sort of sneak peek, full track, yep. which uh, I guess is an exclusive for us. Yeah, yeah. Exclusive. You're the first ones to hear so, it. So it's going to be the arrangement of Bastok, and it's called City of the Humes. Would you like to just talk about that a little bit, Brian, or like the, the inspiration? Yeah, th- this was this was one of the uh, the first. Uh, this was in the first set of songs that I did. This was the third song that I did, um, and it was one of those that. I, I knew what I wanted to do the, the moment I started working on it. It was one of those that really just fell into place more than, than really any of the others. Um, and I really, what, what I, I think what I really enjoyed most and what I always identified with this song is um, when, the, when the trumpet plays the main theme, and, and that happens a little ways into the song, it sounds very, and this is what my wife told me, she says, it sounds like something from the Lone Ranger. It sounds like, you know, a hero riding on a horse to save the day. And that's, that's all I think of now. That's all I can picture in my mind when I hear that section. And that was one of the first times that I, was, that I felt really confident uh, and being able to to, to really make a trumpet sound even semi-decent because that, that's, that's something that's really hard to do when you're trying to program music. Uh, trumpets are, are, can be really tricky instruments and I think 
of of the entire song that is probably what i'm most proud of from that song but it was also one of the songs that just it's got such a great groove to it it's fast it's uplifting it's upbeat uh and it's one of those that i just feel like i want to go out and just start beating up small animals or something like yeah (laughs) in case you obviously can't see right now but brian has got the biggest grin on his face (laughs) and he was just acting out beating small animals small animals yes yeah so you can you can see how much it means to him (laughs) no small animals were hurt in the production of this podcast but they were hurt in the production of the track Uh, and, and in my mind (laughs) <laughs> they, they they lay bruised and bloodied in my mind. <laughs> well, you you beating up many animals in Gusterberg, I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, so that's pretty much all we've got time for this episode. Uh, we hope you have thoroughly enjoyed listening to our Final Fantasy XI experiences. And, and who knows, if you've never played it and you want to try and check it out, there is still time, it's still coming. Absolutely, I, absolutely. And be sure, and you know, this is a shameless plug. I mean, hell, this entire episode is a shameless plug, really. But this the real shameless plug be sure go download the album on august 1st it is completely free you don't have to pay a dang thing for it uh and the website except selling your soul to Brian. exactly exactly and the website you need to go to is landofvanadeel.com and that is land of which i'm sure you guys know how to spell and then vanadeel is spelled v-a-n-a-d-i-e-l landofvanadeel.com august 1st epicness boom Yes. Until then, though, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out, I, I think, just a bit before that. Yes. The 31st the of June. Day the day before. Sorry, the July. I'm getting confused here. My outline says 31st of August, mm. which is clearly wrong, That's wrong. because we're... <laughs> <laughs> no, it will come out the day before the album comes out. So I'm sure there will be a little plug in there again. There might be. Until then, please be sure to subscribe to the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union podcast. We come out every month, and there's a Kingdom Hearts podcast in between. If you are unsure where to find us, you can either go to FinalFantasyUnion.com, GamingUnion.net, or if you go on the iTunes store, if you just type in Final Fantasy in the search box, we are the number one podcast, have been for about the last three years, and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Numero We're not going uno. anywhere. We're not going anywhere. No. That's it. You're stuck with us. <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, anyway. Anyway. While you listen to the, uh, the lovely theme that's playing, would you like to say goodbye, Brian? I don't want to, but I will. Farewell unto my, all of my heroes in Vanadil. May you live on and prosper and kill lots of small animals. And don't get eaten by goblins. Yes, there you go. <laughs> anyway, I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a tweaksmusic.com and FarmerFancyUnion.com production. <laughs>